Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, uh, when we started this podcast over the course of this year, there, there are those episodes that just kind of stand out to where you do something that's not like every day and or you do something that's not happened in a long time. I, last night, I was going back to our post-game episode at Tennessee last fall, and I'm like, you know, this is the first post-game Kentucky Daily of a win at Neyland Stadium. Now we can say the same thing, post-game Kentucky-Florida. Kentucky finally beats Florida and Lexington for the first time since 1986. A massive win for the program. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, uh, a win that they, I would say, desperately uh, – I mean, like the season wasn't going to be ruined by any means if they didn't win, but it's one of those – uh, program-defining wins, and uh, Stoops even talked about it, um, not only with us in his post-game, but I think when he talked to the TV report, was it Chris? Uh, Chris Budden, Budden. yeah. Yeah, when, I think when he was talking to her last night, he, I can't remember the exact word he used, but basically, I think tormented might have been the word he said uh, in those close games against Florida. And, man, there for a minute, it was shaping up to be the same way, right? That dreaded fourth quarter double-digit lead <laughs> I against Florida. You. I looked at you and I said, it's going to happen again, isn't it? And then they yeah. get a knee to the, the the knee on the ground. Some things started going Kentucky's way. The defense didn't – wouldn't. they refused, Derek. They refused to lose that game the same way they did at South Carolina. But you brought up how important it is. And it's massive because how many times had Kentucky teed this thing up over the years? Georgia in 2016, Florida in 2017. I mean, there's so many – where it was a sellout crowd, and they just couldn't come through. Now, they beat Mississippi State and those teams in 2018, but this is different. Like, this isn't Mississippi State, South Carolina. And I just think that at some point, Mark Stoops, you had to do it to see that you could do it. And it's kind of one of those things that now that he's done it, it's kind of like another one of these monkeys off his back. The pressure's kind of gone. They can kind of just cut cut loose and play some ball now, Derek. I mean, there's this is a program that has slowly exercised all of its demons. Yeah, to, to me, to feel like you were truly having a chance to move up and, and make this season what they wanted it to be in terms of climbing that SEC ladder, maybe going from from the you know middle tier, which is a really good thing for them to be consistently beating some of the programs that they are. But you have you can't be true contenders in a division if you can only beat you know, one of the teams once every 30-something years. I mean, you got to start winning more. And by winning last night, that's two out of the last four. You know, yeah. next time when this game rolls around in Lexington, you've seen it happen before that they can beat those guys. You'll feel better about that game coming in. Uh, you know, I might pick wins at home now that they uh, <laughs> I finally beat Florida. Well, and you could actually say that, I mean, honestly, Kentucky's outplayed Florida probably four of the last five times they played. Oh, yeah, yeah, for and this, sure. And this is about cashing in and they finally completed this thing. And the only way you get remembered, Derek, is if you finally complete the thing. You don't you don't want to be remembered as, oh, that the team that gives you an entertaining game, but they can't break through. And you're, you're seeing that now with the AP poll. We knew that they were going to hold off until Kentucky finally proved and beat someone that they belong in that poll. Kentucky climbs all the way up to number 16 today. They put themselves in position, Derek, if they can get a win versus LSU at Kroger Field next Saturday – the way this college football season is going, there's so many teams losing. You look at yesterday, this could be a – they could find themselves close to the top ten with another win. Well, I thought John Hill – I mean, this is probably a little early for this, but John Hill made a good point. I think it's good to get it on people's radar. Um, 
I think there's a pretty good chance, and you know, Kentucky's put itself in a great spot where obviously they will go to Georgia with with no more than one loss. I mean, if they were to lose next weekend to LSU, you're still sitting at three and one in the league and still having a chance. You know, if you were to pull an upset against Georgia, which will be extremely difficult, as we all know. But regardless, you still go there with a shot in the SEC East. That's what people wanted. I mean, you put yourself in phenomenal – well, actually, I just strayed from where I was going with that. The point I brought up with John Hill's uh, tweet was if Alabama and Georgia are both undefeated and they both go to the SEC championship game, I think regardless with the way that this year is going, they will probably both be in the playoff. So whoever that next team is in the SEC, whether it be a team from the SEC West, whether it could be Kentucky at this point, that's, that's where UK stands right now. They would be number three as they're the only unbeaten team outside of Georgia and Alabama. They'd be going to a – a New Year's Six Bowl, which would be another step up for this program. Yeah. So still a lot of football left to be played, but that, you know, winning games like last night, that that puts that um, as, a, as a realistic, attainable goal this season. And um, with last night's game, man, I just uh, – I don't want to phrase this. Not the worst they had played. I don't want to say that. By a box score, you would have – thought in 2017 and 2019 they had a far better shot at winning compared to last night because you look at what the offense did and this is going to lead to my next point but the offense one for nine on third down oh for one on fourth down so basically one for ten and on, on big situations they only total 224 yards only throw for 87 yards have an interception they did rush for 137 which was okay it wasn't horrible i mean it was it was enough but that's where the other factors come in Special teams, Josh Pascal plays the game of his life, blocks a kick after getting a tackle on Emory Jones to set up a field goal. Trevin Wallace runs it back. They get the lead. Defense comes back out, um, gets an interception, J.J. Weaver, and then the offense goes down, and they, they did what they needed to do. It was one of the two drives that they scored on. They had 11 drives last night. They only scored on two. They get the 10-point lead, but, man, the defense held a Florida team that just a few weeks ago put up 29 on uh, Alabama. They put up 38 last week against Tennessee. They scored 40. Uh, 45, I think, against South Florida and then 30-something against FAU. I mean, this was an offense that was humming when it came into UK. And, yes, they had 382 yards on offense, but they scored one touchdown. Have to settle for two field goals. And I had said and the more I thought about it, the more I might start to disagree with myself. I still said that I thought that the Missouri second half where they did not allow a single first down to a really good Missouri offense in 2018, I thought that was the best – defensive performance I've seen but given everything that goes into the Kentucky Florida series all the heartbreak in the fourth quarter for those guys to stand up and get eight was it seven or eight stops seven straight I think you get seven straight stops it looks like you get them stopped on third and goal but there's a face mask is a new set of downs uh first and goal from the five and you stop them four straight times after that that is an all-time defensive stand right there by the defense I'm checking to make sure that it's seven straight Eight sounds better. Let's say it was eight. They stopped them eight straight. But <laughs> well, in that, Sean, you talk about the crowd. I mean, the false start. They have a first and goal. I don't remember what down it was. Um, I think second or third. They end up with another fall. Eight false starts. Fifteen penalties for Florida. I mean, the crowd more than any other game since I've been going to games as a kid or covering games. That was the best crowd I think has ever been since yeah. I've been around in the well, twenty-seven years of existence. I mean, you have to give your <laughs> Tip your cap to the to the crowd that that truly did, Incredible. you could say, affected the outcome of the game. They did. Incredible, incredible atmosphere. I texted you on the way up yesterday as uh, I was as I was leaving for Lexington, and I I said 
this is the biggest game of the Mark Stoops era. And even after I said it to you, I had another hour of drive time that I sat there and I thought about it. And I'm like, is it? You know, because they played for the East in 2018. But given where those two programs are between Georgia and Kentucky, and especially where they were then, that was still a generational great Kentucky team. But you could still see that there was a talent gap between those two programs, that Kentucky was not beating Georgia even with its best football on that day. I just didn't think they could. Fast forward now, Derek, I still think that that was the biggest game of Mark Stoops' tenure just because it was this chance to take another step. You've got two losses for Florida in the division now. You're right there back where you want to go, and if you're going to have a chance to play Georgia for the East again. you're To me, it's it's consistency is what made it the biggest game of, of the – of his tenure because it's showing now that Kentucky can do this more than just one year that they're right back here again. And that same thing. And, and to me, that's about building a program and not just building it and being one of these programs where you see it for one year and like, all right, man, that that's the bandwagon that everybody's going to jump on in college football. No, this is now becoming a thing where people go, okay, Mark Stoops, it's not building a program anymore. He has built a program. I think that's really well said. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the kind of season I think if you're a fan, you, you've got to enjoy every week and, and what could come of it. And these chances don't come around very often where you can you can dream and it's not far-fetched to think of what could happen. You know, already sitting at 3-0 in the SEC East, 5-0 um, overall, still have seven games left. Two two games, I know LSU struggling a little bit. They're 3-2. Still a good team, though. Still a good program, a lot of talent. And then you got the big matchup with Georgia after that. And then, you know, how these teams in the back five are already starting to change. How we view them. Mississippi State pulled off a big win at AM, which obviously is not the same team with uh, their quarterback out. And then Tennessee, you know, crushed Missouri yesterday. They didn't punt at all. They looked really good. So you start to wonder how tough a game that could be. But then, you know, some of the other games are Vanderbilt, New Mexico State, Louisville, I would say are all quite winnable. So the more, you know, they're sitting at five and oh, you feel like even if you drop a game here that maybe you shouldn't, you're going to be. They should win no fewer than nine games this year, I would say. Yeah. So it would be two times in four years you got back to that nine-win mark, which that kind of consistency where they still had bowl games in between, Sean. I mean, I know last year was weird. I mean, I think I think last year in a normal year they probably probably went at least seven, right? I mean, it, I might not have been as good of a year as everybody had hoped for, but that's still a bowl team last year. And everybody made a, everybody made a bowl last year. They won the game. So those, those – um, I think COVID fool, fooled a lot of us on some of these teams too. Like like Missouri was a media darling going into the season and stuff. And you know, I, I kind of throw out a lot of what happened last year that I think that you're, you're kind of seeing COVID took its toll on everybody. And you really don't know, honestly, the effect it had on any program. But I still think that Kentucky would have got to that seven win, possibly eight win mark in a normal year. Yeah, I mean – I would say the point in there is that they're, uh, I guess, bridge years, you could call them, 2019. They have a lot of things to go against them. Still managed to make a bowl. They salvage the season with Lynn Bowden. You win a bowl game. You get back to eight wins. And then last year, you still win the Tax Slayer Bowl against a pretty good NC State team that was ranked at the time. And then this year, you start off 5-0. and I mean, that's four years of sustained success for Kentucky football. This year, I mean, maybe they can take advantage of some games that they didn't in 2018 and – 
and win um, 10 games in the regular season. Being, uh, the Citrus Bowl was great. Don't get me wrong. It's probably my favorite UK football game experience I covered. I mean, it was a really cool game for that group of players who had worked hard for four years. I mean, they didn't make a bowl their freshman year for, for the guys that were uh, seniors. I'm thinking of Josh Allen. Of course, Benny was a year later in 2016, his freshman year. But that game, you know, meant a lot to the fan base. And to get to 10 wins, it was it was massive. But this year, you could be in a spot where you're playing in a uh, Sugar Bowl. Uh, I, I want to call it – it's not the Peach Bowl. Is it the Chick-fil-A? Chick is that a New yeah. Year's Six game? It is a New Year's Six game. Yeah, it's uh, – I forget. It's the one that Florida played in last year, right? I think Florida call it. They still call it the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, right? Well, they never, UK has not played there in a long time, so I, I forget what it's called. But, you know, you could be in one of those big matchups with all eyes on you and a good chance to, the to further make a statement. Yep, the Chick-fil-A. That's what it is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there are – make a bold statement too, though. Let's hear mm-hmm. it. And I've thought about it all morning. Mark Stoops is never leaving Kentucky for another job. I, I honestly, I'm just – that's just my gut feeling this morning. I don't know what it was, Derek. I had a long ride home last night. I just had a lot of time to think. And the more that I thought about it and just w- seeing his face and just seeing – just watching the emotion, the happiness that come out of him last night. You know, I mean, he cut up with us in that media room a lot last night. And that was good to see because that's a guy that – I just think that he's taken on so much pressure to, to make this program what it is, Derek. And not that it's been added pressure from the fan base. I think he puts it on himself because he wants to win. He wants this program to be the best it can be. I just think that moments like last night, those breakthrough moments nine years in, are so solidifying for your program and for him personally that you're getting to a point now that he's doing things at Kentucky that even after 2018, everybody was like, you can't do it again. You can't do it again. And what's he doing? He's doing it again. I, I think that that just means something. I think that they could build the statue now. Honestly, he's done enough to this point that a statue is going up there. Yeah, I think that's a good little bridgeway into, into some of the some of the guys who played really well. Actually, I want to address one thing you said, and then I'm going to move on to the next thing. You talked about the pressure. I do think there's pressure in this season. I think you look at the roster and you see a lot of guys that are very good players that have invested a lot in this program. They've played a lot of reps, and they will not be here next year talking about the Darian Canards, we can already go ahead and say, like, Wondell Robinson is not going to be playing for Kentucky next year. I mean, he's too good of a player. He's going to be playing on an NFL team next year. Um, defensively, Josh Pascal probably played the best game of his UK career last night. McCall got hurt. Um, I'm assuming he's not going to be back next year, although he is a true senior. He's someone who maybe would decide, um, depending on what his draft stock looks like, maybe he would decide to stay for that fifth year. I really don't know. But Corker, another fifth-year guy, Asian, you know, Devontae Robinson, a lot of guys who have played so much football, done so many good things, and I do think there's pressure to cash in on this year. Um, and that doesn't mean you have to win the SEC East to have cashed in, but to, to have had another year like this where you win big games, get up 9-10 wins, which I think they should be able to do. I do think there was pressure in that regard because, uh, and this will lead into my next point, though, when you talk about Stoops potentially staying, you started to see last night – I think a glimpse a little bit into what the future could be. Trevin Wallace's biggest play of his career so far has been on special teams, that, that touchdown return where he was flying. I mean, looked like a running back out there. But on the field for a lot of defensive snaps. McCall goes down 
in the first quarter. Yeah, first right? play, right? Like the first fourth. quarter. Yeah. Justin Rogers, who I'm not going to say has been a disappointment because the kids came in in a COVID year and barely – he just hadn't shown much, but it doesn't mean he was never going to show much or anything like that. It's just, you know, when you get a, a high ranking, people expect you to do a lot. Well, he hadn't really done much until last night. Comes in, Sean, plays 43 snaps. Yeah. Does a tremendous job. Second highest rated player on pro football focus. Um, <laughs> you know, up until that point, Josiah Hayes had been playing most of the snaps. Well, well, Rogers played so well last night that he ended up with the majority of the snaps. Had a pressure on Emory Jones on the interception that Weaver had. I mean, if he starts to come along, you, you look at Trayvon Ripka. Has been playing a ton this year. Octavius Oxendine is a starter now. You had a guy last night in uh, – Khalil Saunders, a true freshman, who appeared on the depth chart this week. Looks like he's beat out a senior and a, and a redshirt sophomore to have been in that spot. Uh, and then Jalen Geiger last week, can play. Like you can start to see the glimpse, and, and Weaver should be back next year. I mean, you see a potential for a very, very, very good defense in the years to come. And they got to figure out some things on offense. I'm sure we'll get to that a little bit later. Yeah. But – you look at this thing and you say, yeah, they're going to lose a lot of key pieces, like I mentioned, but the way that they've recruited, the way they developed, I don't think you're going to see years where they dip back to only winning something like five games. I mean, this should be a solid program. And for Stoops, I have no idea what he will decide to do ultimately. If I were him with how much work he's put in, I wouldn't leave unless it was a job that you no doubt can step into and probably win 10, 11 games your first year, no questions asked. I don't know if he'll be sexy enough for a job like that, but I do know that as long as he's at Kentucky, um, he he should have a pretty good roster every single year to build around. Did, and uh, I think last week was a really good step forward to the program for the program. Did you listen? Did you get to listen to SEC football final at all today? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it chose like six straight times. So yeah, it's just <laughs> well, keeps playing Gene over and Chizik. over. <laughs> Gene Chizik said it best to me, or to, not to me, but he said it to everybody, and it's just. I think it's true. Like, if you think – how was it he worded? I tweeted it out. I'm going to pull it up. Uh, let me pull it up here and find it. Uh, by the way, SEC Nation coming to Lexington Saturday, Kentucky LSU. So, a uh, little plug there for for that show right here. Mark Stoops is one of the best coaches in the country, and if you don't think that, your head is in the sand. And he talked about that it's not always sexy. And you mentioned a minute ago, like, is he going to be oh, sexy enough not. for programs to know it's absolutely not sexy none of these wins one through five have been sexy but you know what Derek all that matters is that there's five on the left and there's a zero on the right when you read it on paper that is all that matters and he finds ways to win this program has found ways to win in different ways and last night the the turnovers uh, Kentucky finally was able to kind of get those plays Will Levis throws an interception Kentucky's trailing 10-7 Florida has a short field you're thinking if florida goes up 10 here the way this kentucky offense is playing not scoring i don't think they're coming back from 10 points down kentucky's defense stands josh pascal forces a fourth down blocked field goal trevin wallace catches it and how how fast he was (laughs) on that and tom leach guest of the show on friday had another legendary call he rushes kentucky into the lead that's that was his line. That is or runs Kentucky into the lead. Just incredible that play. The press box started shaking in the middle of that play, Derek. Unbelievable atmosphere at Kroger Field. The fans were the best I'd ever seen them. Just just a huge night for this program, who now is one game away from bowl eligibility 
five to six games in the season. Unbelievable. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the offense. And if you're you're someone that I know we had some, well, I wasn't really complaining towards us, but some people who weren't. Super, super happy about uh, not just discussing the positive things. Uh, if you're someone who's like that, then maybe this will be your time to, to click it off. But this isn't, you know, I mean, I'm not going to crush the offense. Like they had the big play with Wandell, phenomenal play. And then they got the touchdown off the turnover, which was, which was huge. I mean, it, they gave them the win, basically. But um, they're, they're kind of going through it right now, Sean, offensively. They uh, have not thrown the ball that well in SEC play. They have run the ball pretty well. I mean, definitely the first two games, they ran the ball great against Missouri, which obviously everybody has. Um, and then I thought they were really strong against South Carolina. Last night, less so, but it was still physical. Um, they had some drives going where they, they kind of stalled out, but you could tell that they had some had some momentum going. Again, um, one of the most positive things you can say is there was only one turnover, and I'm not being facetious when I say that, like, you know, to only have one – no fumbles. They didn't put the ball in the – I mean, I guess Weaver. <laughs> J.J. Weaver technically fumbled, but also had a great quote, by the way. I wasn't standing there, but I saw someone tweet it. I don't know if you did. Someone asked him about his ball security, need to work on it or something, and he said, you know, don't we all, <laughs> which is uh, <laughs> which is true. I mean, you're not going to hold it against Weaver. He's not used to, you know, running with the football. But um, I, I guess, you know, I'm not – one of the problems, too, I mean, one of the biggest problems, how many plays? I think they only ran 45 plays right last night, right? The the yeah. stat broadcast is all jacked up. So I'm having I've got the official stats team. here. Does it does it say the official in the official stats? Will it say the number of plays on the it one? Should. I think it was I think it was 71 to 45. Well, that's why that's what stat broadcast says, but they're missing some plays. I'm thinking Kentucky ran a couple more plays than 45. The time of possessions off on stat broadcast for yeah. sure. Uh, they that's all screwed up, so it's throwing me off because I'm not used to using ESPN. But the big problem, obviously, is you know you're not going to run many plays when you go one for nine on third down. I mean, they were not sustaining. Seven, seventy-seven, okay. was the place. So you know they go one for nine on third down. That 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 kills drives. They go zero for one on fourth down. Obviously, they were driving there um, to start the fourth quarter. Tried a. Not not quite the wildcat that we're used to seeing. They just more so lined up Rodriguez at quarterback like they had done against uh, South Carolina the week before. Um, you know, I think Levis, what you're seeing right now is some struggles from a, a first-year starter. And then I think with Liam Cohen, too. I mean, a first – he's not, not exactly a first-year play caller, but at this level he, he is. I mean – he had no FBS play calling experience before this year. I, I know he learned a lot out in LA, and I think he has great potential as an offensive coordinator. But you know, this offense is not not really clicking right now. I would say. 
No, it's not. It, it's certainly not. Uh, finding a way to win, but we know that that offense is going to have to come up with oh, some yeah. plays at some point. But And that's where we were talking going into this game, that the turnover battle. Had Kentucky turned it over a ton last night, they wouldn't have won that game. They right. needed to get some of their own, and you got it with the Weaver interception, set up the short field, special teams coming through. We'll, we'll get to that. But with the offense, I, I looked over to you last night, and we were talking about Will Levis, and he hasn't been good for a while now, Derek. I feel like that for the last three weeks, he just kind of – he looks like his, his mind's going quick, looks like the decision-making's off. We're seeing not a lot of touch on some of those balls out of the backfield, some of those intermediate throws over through – a wide open Isaiah Epps last night. That ball has to be completed in that spot. Yeah. But they're finding a way to win in spite of it. Mark Stoops still believes in Levis. You you heard that last night post game. But I think that you're maybe getting to a point now where we were talking in the preseason where I don't know how much running quarterback calls we're going to see. But I think you're going to get to a point that maybe they need to call some of that stuff for him to kind of get him moving and get him – uh, going in a positive direction, he had a huge play last night when they fumbled the snap and the pile pushed forward and got a first down there. Even though he's not playing his best, he still found a way to come up with a play to help win the game, but the offense has to get it cleaned up. The The play to Wandell was the play of the night on offense. Uh, Cavassier smoked that huge block there to kind of spring him. I mean, there's still – there's some good things there, Derek, but not enough to where – if Kentucky's defense ever has a game where they're they're off, it, it could be it could be a long game. Yeah, I mean, to me, I think you can kind of look at it two ways. Uh, it's just whatever perspective perspective you want to choose. I mean, because because they're both true. I think um, they had a just absolute terrific performance to hold Florida thirteen points and to come away with the win. I mean, the goal, obviously, to state the obvious, is you want to. Whatever it takes to win, you want to do that. And I think under Mark Stoops, you've absolutely seen that probably to the definition of just finding ways to win. But and and, and on the along those lines, you can say, man, this team's five and zero. Still haven't played its best football yet. If this mm-hmm. offense ever starts rolling, there's really no reason to th- think that they can't win at least eleven games. And I would say that, that might be true at this point. And on the flip side, though, you you can look at it and say, man, you know, there's some good teams coming up. If, if Kentucky only gets 211 yards against Florida or yeah, against Florida and, you know, 102 yards passing or whatever it was against South Carolina, you're thinking, man, like, does this team actually really have a chance to be able to go to Georgia and win against a defense like that? Like I'd say probably not right now. Um, I'm not going to say this exactly reminds me of 2018, but there are certain elements I think of having a first year starter that like this, this had to be expected on some level. I don't want to say it was fool's gold against UL Monroe because I don't think it was. I mean, I think Levis showed what he could be, uh, but that was obviously not a very good defense. And right now he is – he's seeing new defenses every week. I think you can tell he's not really processing it all that well right now. And um, I think this is just kind of the growing pains you have to expect. And I'm going to keep looking. I'm going to keep saying it. I might end up being wrong, but I'm, I'm going to just keep going and saying – to be quite frank, I don't expect a huge jump next week. I'm going to guess the passing game is still a bit of a struggle for the next two weeks. But I want to see after that bye week, when they go down to Mississippi State, I want to see it start to click for Levis in this passing game. Because it'll uh, it'll be time at that point. You'll be seven games in. You'll have your bye week. Um, and then, you know, you got Mississippi State, Tennessee. or Yeah, yeah, Mississippi State, Tennessee, and, and Vandy in the non-conference games at the end of the year. 
I think you saw that a little bit with Terry. And again, I'm not I'm not saying that this season is going to be like that, but you saw towards the end when the schedule, you know, got a little bit lighter, Terry really kind of clicked and things started to to come around. I mean, he played pretty well. There uh really really the Georgia game on that year. He did some good things and I think with Will you want to see that because He's got all the natural ability in the world, and I agree with you on the run on the run plays. If he's struggling so much in the passing game, you got to find a way because he he can be useful as a winner, uh, as a winner, as a runner. Um, so you got to find ways, I think, to get him a little bit more comfortable. And that's what Liam told me last night. They're still trying to find. He said their identity as an offense, but I think more so he, he probably meant towards Levis, like trying to figure out what he's really good at. Because you know, most of the time against these teams besides maybe Georgia, you should be able to line up and run the ball very effectively. But finding that balance, finding things that Will likes in the passing game is big. And I would say, like, did it seem to you last night that it, it felt like it was either a screenplay or a bomb? It, it feels like there's no intermediate passing game right now there's in not. this offense. There's not. There, There's definitely not. And that's uh, on the play when they tried it. It was an interception over the head of Isaiah Epps. They, they've got to get that part figured out. Chris Rodriguez comes up a yard shy of 100 yards, but he I mean, he did some good things. That touchdown there late in the game that, that kind of uh, didn't put the game away, but it gave Kentucky some breathing room there because you knew Florida was going to come back and you knew Florida was going to make a push at it. But Jacquez Jones, another guy you want to mention, just uh, another incredible effort. Oh, yeah. That play he made at the end of the game. And Derek, am I just now, am I just now seeing this where he was named – was it the let me pull it up? Camp. Yep. Yeah. National player. Defensive. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a big deal. So uh, he was named the Walter Camp National Defensive Player of the Week, along with uh, Alabama's Brian Robinson Jr. Uh, for uh, the Offensive Player of the Week. But then Josh Pascal. Got to talk about Josh Pascal a moment before we move on. He wasn't a part of that game in 2018 at Florida. That that was not long after he'd been diagnosed with uh, the melanoma. So he was on his couch watching that game. Kentucky had on helmets that night that had his initials on the back of it, Derek. So he hadn't beaten Florida. I mean, his team had beaten Florida, but he hadn't. He came through last night with one of the greatest defensive performances I have ever seen someone play in a Kentucky football jersey. Every time that Kentucky needed to play, Josh Pascal was near the ball, whether it was a tackle or a blocked field goal, something. And to me, he became a UK legend last night. Just relentless. I mean, someone who was not going to be, I mean, denied, I would say. Uh, two and a half tackles for loss. He had seven tackles overall, four of those tackles, uh, solo tackles. Um, it, it was. I mean, the, the block kick, that's going to live on in, in history as a great UK football play. Um in his story, I mean, like you talked about, that was actually not an angle I was even really thinking of when we got down to the press room. Then I heard him starting, you know, getting questions about it. And, you know, to hear him talk about how he was on his couch and then whenever they won, he was driving around. And I think he ended up on State Street, he said. Uh, so, uh, yeah, like you said, like to be in a big game, you know, they they have accomplished a lot in the Stoops area. They've knocked off a lot of these bad bad streaks or bad stats that they've had. And um, he just seemed like someone who was not going to be denied last night. I mean, the whole defense, you could say that just two weeks in a row. I mean, just the kind of the tenacious tenaciousness of this defense has been um, something special, man. I mean, the, if Missouri had 28, but 
these last two weeks. I know South Carolina's offense isn't great, but the same deal where the offense put them in bad spots all night and they just bailed them out. They just kept making plays. And then last night, uh, less so with the turnovers, they weren't, you know, putting the defense only once they put them in a bad spot, you would say, on the interception. And then they come through and end up scoring points off the block kick. But just um, just incredible. And I, th- I think this is a unit that you're going to see just continue to get better. And I think that should have people really excited. And like I said earlier, I mean, if this offense lives up to its potential, I think they have some good options. I think if, if Levis can, can get settled down and sh- show some growth, I mean, they got a great chance against everybody they play here on out besides maybe Georgia. And, again, I won't write that game off until we get there, but I will say my preseason prediction of Georgia finally winning a national title looks better and better every week. I mean, they're just they're just great. I mean, they're a great team. they got incredible defense. I think that's going to be a tough day for Kentucky. But, again, I mean, that's why you play the games. So, yes. so I'd say to recap last night, uh, you just give a game ball to the defense. You give a game ball to the crowd that – absolutely affected the outcome and um the offense again didn't didn't do great i think i think we all recognize that but between the play wandell made between capitalizing on the touchdown i mean it was complimentary enough i guess you could say and and what they were able to do they got to get better we all know that but for now to be sitting at five and oh with all your big goals still ahead of you I think it's probably a great time to to be a fan of, of this program. Yeah, and uh, you had to think the moment that Ruffalo's extra point attempt was blocked that that was going to come back to haunt Kentucky. If you were a longtime Kentucky football fan, <laughs> you were already seeing what we were seeing in the press box. Florida's going to score, and they're going to go for two, and they're going to win it with like five oh. seconds left in the game. And you know that Dan Mullen was going to go for two had they scored there. Given the atmosphere in Lexington, he was not going to overtime. Yeah, I think Ducky's so. defense stood tall. But we got to talk to, as we wrap up here, special teams. We had a lot of questions in the mailbag about special teams. And I thought last night, take out the, the blocked PAT, and special teams came up big for Kentucky. Well, I mean, anytime you get a touchdown off of something like that, I mean, that was uh, between the effort by Pascal to get the block. And I think I think uh, Jordan Wright might have busted through there, too. So had Pascal not got it, I think uh, Wright might have had a good chance to get it. So, they busted through there, and then Wallace just – he was in the right spot. I mean, you think about it. When I watched it last night on replay, I kind of thought, like, uh, maybe it felt like the football gods were given Kentucky one because, I mean, it went right to him. I mean, he was just camped right in the right spot where the ball got deflected. I mean, it could have got deflected off to the left. It could have been deflected off to the right. But where it ended up was right where – looking at that unit out there, I know there was a couple DBs on the – uh Actually, more than a couple of DBs. I think Asia and Corker, Mosley, were all out there. But Wallace's speed, I mean, it ended up in one of the faster guys that you could have out there. It ended up in his hands, and it just – he, he had that running back experience. That. He has to catch that ball to return it, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know what the rule is if it hits the ground. If it hits the ground, I don't know. I'm not for sure on that, but I don't know why I want to think that if he has to catch that to return it, if the ball goes well, – of scrimmage that's yeah that's what i'm gonna say because obviously if you if you get back and you block it and the ball goes behind the kicker and it's rolling you can pick it up and run it but yeah. that sounds right what you're saying if it goes back because then you know so so you're right florida like couldn't recover it and have a first down yep. so that makes sense. so you're right if you think the football gods were in kentucky's favor because <laughs> it falls and then whose hands it it dropped in i mean it's, it's already been kentucky florida <laughs> and it was kentucky florida last night for trevin wallace and he raced all the way to the end zone, Derek, in a, in a play that 
I think that was the loudest. Bud Dupree's pick six. Stevie got loose. I mean, LSU, but that that play last night might have been the loudest I've ever heard Kroger field. Yeah, uh, a special teams play really, really uh, gets people fired up anytime you can <laughs> have a big play on special teams. Another note, he mentioned it in the post game, and I was actually going to ask him about it had he not brought it up himself. I could remember from his recruiting process, Josh Edwards did a lot of great reporting on Trevin Wallace's recruitment. He he like loved Florida. One of the I think his dad maybe is who it was is a big Florida fan. Florida, even though he decommitted, and even though he ended up being one of the highest ranked guys in the country on twenty four seven, like Florida did not show much interest in him. So I'm sure on a personal level for him, for a team that he grew up really liking, and for a team that he didn't get a ton of attention from, to field that uh, block kick and run it back had to be probably a little bit extra sweet for him. And that should give him a lot of confidence. It wasn't like a defensive play. He was just out there. But, like, that should give him some confidence that uh, good things will be in store for his career. And and one note as we wrap up here, if, if you didn't get to see Mitch Barnhart chasing after <laughs> a fan that was on the field too soon. Yeah, that guy's a little – he's a little premature on it. If he just would have uh, seriously waited like maybe two more minutes, he would have been fine with everybody else. But instead, he probably went to jail. And Mitch was chasing him. I think Mitch came from the end zone all the way back to 35-yard line. And then Mitch was like, no, nah, I'm not pulling a hammy here. Well, Mitch has seen a lot of games uh, not go Kentucky's way. Until that clock hit zero, he was probably nervous about anything that could have happened. I mean, maybe getting a flag right there. I, I don't know if they would have thrown a flag on and, I don't and think you could really throw a flag on UK. But. And getting fined and stuff there. I mean, obviously, they're going to pay a fine for storming the field. But can I tell you, Mitch Barnhart doesn't care to pay this fine, Derek, because I'm seeing pictures of Mitch Barnhart with fans after last night's game. <laughs> so, so, I think I think for totally you. fine with it. Is that the last – Field storming, you see, unless they, unless they win the SEC East at home, yeah. or if they beat Georgia at home, then it's getting stormed, or in Alabama, yeah. or someone like that. I know the debate on field storming is is a polarizing one. I'm generally, you know, not in. I wouldn't say not in. I mean, I would say generally not in favor. But like last night's absolutely uh, was deserving. When he hadn't beat a team like that in so long, like that was a program defining win. I got no problem with it. Uh, on principle, I was there in 2014. I did not feel that South Carolina was a worthy opponent to storm the field against, so I didn't uh, that year when I was in the – I think I was in the student section. Or no, they, I wasn't. they weren't even ranked, were they? <laughs> they weren't even ranked. Like, I just thought, you know, this is just storming the field to storm the field. It was an exciting moment, yes, but, you know, they weren't – that wasn't really a worthy uh, a worthy moment of it. So, I would agree, yeah. Like, I don't even know if just beating Georgia, like, in a regular game would be worth it. I, I think I would agree with you if it was – to win the SEC East. That, to me, should be the last time that the field ever gets stormed. And, and I'm not saying it needs to be a, a regular thing where you beat all the teams you should, but, like, at this point, with where this program's going, if they get back to 9-10 wins, like, it's uh, it's time that the you – know, I, I would say the fan base maybe starts to get these expectations that you – it shouldn't be such a shock when you win these games. And, uh, again, I, I was all about it for the fans last night. I thought it was certainly a deserving moment. But I, I guess I just had that thought in my head. You know, what what else would kind of would kind of result in a field storming? You and, know, I would agree with you. On that. And let's let's wrap up with this. So they they won that game in 2018 in the swamp, massive moment for the program. But when you look at this one and that one together, this one was the bigger one, just because they got to celebrate with their guys. The guys got to celebrate with their fans in Lexington and everything. I just think that when you put them side by side, that one in 2018 will always live on. It's just a night that everyone will never forget. But I think last night was kind of – it was deserving. 
because it was kind of disappointing that they didn't get to bust that streak in Lexington, wasn't it? Like that the fans rush the field and it'd be the one that ends the streak. I just think it was uh, it was well-deserved for this fan base, for this program, and uh, all those players that played before them too that tried to do it and couldn't do it, tried so hard to do it. Uh, this program is moving in the right direction. It has well, a massive matchup versus LSU Saturday night. Yeah, I think what you were saying right there goes along with, uh, you know, what we talked about a little bit earlier, but Kyle Tucker and his story on the athletic, he talked to a fan who had a, he had a great quote. He's uh, I think it's, he's, he says he's a 1967 <laughs> graduate of UK. So this man has some years. He said, I'm envisioning all these awful things that could happen. And then the awful thing didn't happen. So I think any person who was in that stadium kept having flashbacks of 2017 and 2019, or even years, you know, 1993 with friend of the show, Chris Doring all the time, but it seemed like they were right there, had a chance to beat those guys and something bad happened. And uh, last night they did. And I think that's where you kind of see the euphoria from it, just from uh, all the, all those years of, of heartache. And then to finally have one go your way. I mean, in the moment, I don't, I don't blame those fans at all for taking it all in. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if you weren't at Kroger field or huddled around your TV somewhere, hopefully you took that in at the butcher's pub, three locations, Palmville, Williamsburg and London, Kentucky. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. Get us your mailbag questions for a football episode, and we will be back pretty soon on Kentucky Daily. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you then.